Welcome back to this week's episode of the Coger Center Arts Roundup. You're listening with Nate Terracio. Welcome back to the Coger Center Arts Roundup. Our guest this week is Dr. Tish Oni. Dr. Oni, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Dr. Oni is a singer, teacher, and author of the new book, Peggy Lee, A Century of Song. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the book in a minute, but first I'd like to talk about you uh, and your background. You're a singer, a musician, a performer. Um, can we talk about uh, how you got into performing? Because uh, I'd like to talk about uh, how you got into researching Peggy Lee, but I have a feeling that uh, one might lead into the other. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I had been singing since I was a tiny little kid in church with my folks and in school and became a professional singer in my teens, in my mid-teens, around 15, and uh, was singing in a jazz and pop band. So our first set was jazz and the rest of the evening's sets were pop music. And so I cut my teeth there in front of a lot of people you know, made a lot of mistakes, uh, sang a lot of songs, learned a lot of songs on the fly uh, and on breaks. And uh, I really uh, spent a lot of time performing in my teens and uh, early 20s. And uh, I was a science major originally at Cornell University and earned a Bachelor of Science there. But I was working on the weekends uh, singing in a band. I, I was cast in a, a summer opera program uh, before my senior year and in, at Cornell as a last hurrah before going to med school. That's what, what the plan was. And so I went and I had a wonderful time and I was an understudy for the lead. The lead didn't go, so I had to sing the, the longest role in comic opera um, th two or three times in front of an all-Italian audience in Italian and uh, decided at that point, the cast came around me and said, we really think you ought to go into music. This is really something you do well. So uh, think about it before you <laughs> keep going on your medical direction. But um, so I, I did apply to a music school instead and got a master's degree in voice from Ithaca College and then worked for a number of years as a professor of, of voice and a professional musician, band leader, arranger, uh, and composer and then got my doctorate in jazz studies from the University of Southern California. And I've just always continued being a professional musician, writing music, arranging music, and uh, putting on a lot of concerts. I've always loved it. So you're a singer, um, and, but also a composer, right? So um, yes. can we talk about, uh, I'm gonna jump right into the, the question that I really, burning question I have, which is, um, can we talk about what it's like to sing songs that somebody else has written um, and sing songs that you have written yourself um, for yourself? Because uh, I feel like a lot of musicians get famous for songs that they didn't write, even though they write a lot of their own music. Um, so can you talk about, as you are, from your point of view, I know we could cover this from a, a Peggy Lee point of view, right? But we could also, I'm just curious from your background, what do you, what's your experience like singing somebody else's music live in front of other people? And, and you know, how do you choose those songs versus 
you know, what is it like, is there a shift in your feeling when you get on stage and you, it's one of yours instead of, you know, some other song that somebody else has written? Yeah, um, there definitely is a, a shift. I, when I select a song, I make sure that there's something about it that I can relate to or that I think is really great. And I want to uh, present it to an audience because I think that the song itself warrants it. Um, and when I am singing a song of my own, I'm uh, a lot more interested in having the audience hear it for the first time because it's likely that they haven't heard that song before. Um, but in the case of when you're covering other people's songs, it's likely they have heard those songs before. So it's more important to me as a jazz musician to bring my own spin my own unique interpretation to the songs of others. But when it comes to my own, uh, I prefer to present them in a way that people will remember uh, how the melody actually goes, first and foremost, rather than changing it up a lot. But then, you know, again, being a jazz musician, you want to do that the second or third time you present the material. So I have a lot of fun. Uh, singing the melody the first time through and then um, improvising uh, later in the song, hopefully to um, let people know how the song goes and how it can go if you kind of turn off your uh, left brain a little bit and just start to create. I, I keep thinking in my head as I hear you say this that it's sort of like the first time you sing it, you're singing it for the song but then the more you sing it, the more you're singing it for, you want to showcase yourself in addition to the song. Is that, is that sort of one way of looking at it? Yeah, I, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. Um, I think um, a good song lends itself to many different types of interpretations and uh, a lot of people's uh, different stamp that they can put on it. A good song will stand up to uh, someone changing it around. And I, I write a, a column called Anatomy of a Standard for All About Jazz, and I talk about this a lot when you're putting uh, a song list together and thinking about what standards you want, uh, what makes a standard? Why does it last? Why does it endure? It's, there's a lot to it. And um, it's the marriage of music and lyrics and the way they tell a story better together than they can by themselves. Do you write songs and for specifically other people, or do you is the music you write with yourself principally in mind? I principally keep myself in mind uh, because I'm the artist that's really most likely going to premiere the song. So I write it for myself from a practical standpoint, but if someone wanted me to write music for them, I would be happy to do that too. It's just not a bridge that I've crossed at this point. Your performing career, you know, for most musicians is a, uh, for those who are successful, is a more than full-time job. How did you find yourself in going down the path of author also? Now, I realize that the book that we're about to talk about, Peggy Lee, A Century of Song, is a book about music and a singer, but I'm still curious, how, you, how do you find the time, how do you find the passion to you know, create the amount of time that it takes to write a book like that? <laughs> well, uh, I had a lot of encouragement and support. My publisher was really 
gung-ho about this and they had specific ideas for when it should be um, submitted. And so I work well on deadlines uh, in general. And, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll book a gig and then I'll learn the music after the gig is booked. So it sort of forces me to, to uh, step out of my comfort zone and um, get to the next thing. Uh, like for instance, I have a performance this week coming up uh, in Greenville at Center Stage. And um, the band hasn't really seen this material before. It's, it's my Peggy Lee, part of my Peggy Lee sh touring show. Um, but it's going to be fun to put that together with a new group and in um, celebration of her centennial. So was that, that's the deadline that you're alluding to, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's the up. deadline. So we're having a Zoom rehearsal tonight. They're going to see the, mu the music tonight. <laughs> so for if you're those who are listening who don't know, Peggy Lee um, was born in what May of uh, 1920. So this is her centennial uh, anniversary, um, along with uh, we've got um, uh, Charlie Parker, I think this year. Yes. Is, uh, also celebrating 100. That's right. So how did you choose Peggy Lee, though, for this project? Was that something that you came to their, your publisher with or did they sort of say, we're looking for someone to write a book about Peggy Lee and you seem like the perfect fit. No, I had to sell them on this project for sure. I had written my doctoral dissertation on the original music of Peggy Lee. So uh, this is really me finishing something I started back in grad school. So uh, it's, it's really been a labor of love. It's been a 16 year process of, of um, researching and uh, singing her material and um, among many other artist songs and my own songs, of course, but it's been a long journey and it seems to be the logical combination of it. And the timing was perfect. Uh, it being the centennial year to celebrate this magnificent artist, I decided to coordinate the release of the book with her hundredth birthday. So in a sense, it was, it's been sitting waiting for a while, but, but not really because it's still very, updated and um, it includes a lot of things that have happened uh, in her career posthumously even up to this year. Is writing a bi biography, um, I, I feel like the challenge there is that you have to keep it sort of interesting, exciting for people, you know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a work of fiction, but at the same time, um, there's probably some preconceived notions that uh, people come into because they think, oh, I know this person. Um, do, is there a particular angle or aspect of Peggy Lee and her life that you sort of had in the back of your head that you really wanted people to know? Is there some sort of angle storyline that you were saying, I really want people to realize this about Peggy Lee, um, that as you were writing the book? Yes, absolutely. In fact, it's not a traditional biography in the sense of it being uh, a story of someone's life. It's not the story of her life. The main uh, character in this biography is her musical development and her vocal development. Um, so I wrote it from the perspective of a singer and of a musician kind of taking this journey with her. And uh, we go song by song, album by album, radio show by radio show, movie by movie. Uh, she, she also wrote a, and starred in her own autobiographical Broadway show. She did a ton of different things. She was a Renaissance woman. 
excellent at many different things. And I wanted people to learn that about her and also about how um, a woman from the 1930s and 40s could pave her own way in the male-dominated music industry at that time and be a pioneer for the rest of us who have followed. Can you talk a little bit about what you learned about Peggy Lee? So you had done your doctoral thesis on uh, her songs. You probably knew as much as most people, almost anyone, about her life, I'm assuming sort of going into writing this book. But uh, surely you must have learned something new, fascinating, interesting during this process of, of going from what you had researched as a, a you know, graduate student into actually putting this book together. Is there something that stands out that you learned that you could share with us, the really fascinating bit of information about her, her life, her music? Yes, there, the book is actually, in my opinion, filled with those little little nuggets of things that I, I didn't know before that I want to share with the world because why, if it's already been said, I don't need to say it again, which is why my angle is very different from the other biographies that have gone before. But one thing in particular that I learned is just how excellent a live performer she was. And the reason I know this is because I lear- listened to a great number of, of live recordings and uh, also her radio show recordings some of them have been preserved and and there's a relatively new um, album out about her lost radio recordings at last the the is the name of the the album and uh, it's really stunning to hear how one microphone in a room filled with musicians and one singer and tech people and stage motion going on can pick up a flawless show, just a flawless performance, song after song after song after song after song with guests like Nat King Cole and, um, and Bing Crosby and, and Frank Sinatra and Johnny Mercer and people who would come on the show and be guest artists and participate in this kind of variety show, pre-TV variety show genre that just showcased the fact that they could do it right the first time. They didn't need to edit. They didn't need to do overdubs. They didn't need to um, embellish anything in those final recordings. Their final performance in a live situation was so polished that we all could really learn a great deal about how to put on a a fantabulous show just by listening to these artists from the 40s. So for the audience that's not particularly familiar with Peggy Lee, uh, I I said to you when we first met each other just uh, a while back that uh, when I said, oh, Peggy Lee, I know her, she sings Fever. Um, That's not a song that she wrote. So can you talk to us just briefly about, you know, what are the few things that a person who isn't real familiar with her should know about her in terms of what did she write? What did she star in? What, what, you know, what songs should people, when they're done with this podcast, go to Spotify and find and listen to, to really sort of say, ah, that's, that's the artist that you have, you know, fell in love with enough to write this book. Wow. That's a big question. There's a lot, there's a lot of loaded uh, information uh, it's, it's, it's heavy loaded in, in the book. It, there's a lot in the book that uh, goes into this, but 
Um, certainly fever is the, the, the hit that most people know about. I'm a Woman is also another big song that she made famous. And um, Is That All There Is was her one Grammy win from 1969. That's a song that um, blew everybody's mind because it was competing with more uh, popular genres and still won the Grammy Award for Female Vocal Performance of the Year. Um, and she also starred in Pete Kelly's Blues and won an Academy Award nomination for her acting in that film, which most people don't know. She also starred in uh, the remake of The Jazz Singer with Danny Thomas and did a beautiful job performing in that, in that um, film. She wrote a lot of film music, uh, collaborating with a, a great deal of different composers like Johnny Mandel and Duke Ellington um, to write a lot of music for uh, film scores and theme songs in particular for films. And so these are things that her peers, uh, her singing peers really didn't do. You know, Frank Sinatra didn't write music and Bing Crosby didn't write music. Um, but Peggy did a lot of different things. She did voiceover work too in film and she, her voice is the, the voice for all the female characters except for Lady in Lady and the Tramp. She also did the film scoring for that film with Sonny Burke and wrote all the lyrics. So she did a ton of different things that are really interesting and even wrote, as I mentioned before, an autobiographical Broadway show and starred in it and uh, recorded over 50 successful albums and 1,100 uh, single masters. And that she is eclipsed only by Frank Sinatra in, in terms of the number of consecutive contracts that she had at Capitol Records. She was a Capitol Records artist for no less than 22 consecutive years, uh, not including a five-year trip to Decca Records when she was recording Black Coffee and a number of other singles and albums. I didn't realize that she had written these compositions that go beyond sort of single songs. Um, did she have... Uh, writing partners? Did she write for her for her own songs? Did she write both music and lyrics? Did she collaborate with you know somebody a lot, or was you know did she collaborate across her contemporaries, her peers? So I, I realize this is not the most eloquently worded question, but um, I just didn't know if you know she was the kind of person that had a couple of particular songwriters that she worked with, or she was mostly writing on her own. She mostly collaborated with a lot of different people. So she loved to write um, with her first husband, Dave Barber. He was her first uh, collaborative partner. She also loved writing with Victor Young, who was a very successful and popular uh, songwriter from that era. She wrote with a lot of different people. She co-wrote with Duke Ellington and Mel Torme and Harold Arlen and Dave Brubeck, uh, Marion McPartland, uh, a whole lot of people, just so many people. And, and she almost always was writing lyrics to music collaboration um, by a collaborative 
composer. But there are a few songs that she was credited with writing both music and words. And one of them is called It Must Be So, which um, I recorded on my first Peggy Lee uh, project, which is called Dear Peg. It's, a, it's an album that, that her musical director from the 1980s and I and a number of others from her band years put together in 2007. And then you've got a new album out that, well, it's not a Peggy Lee album. Um, she is an important part of the album. It's called The Best Part. Is that right? Yes. yes. And it's a, a celebration of songs by living songwriters. Um, and yep. although uh, Peggy Lee is not with us, um, you've sung on this uh, three of her songs, but her collaborator on those songs is still living songwriter. Uh, can you talk about the album as a whole, but maybe we can get into it by talking about those Peggy Lee songs that are on the album? Sure, yeah. It's called The Best Part, uh, Tishoni with the John Chiodini Trio. Now, John Chiodini is the collaborative composer who co-wrote 14 songs with Peggy Lee late in her career in the 1980s. And uh, they did four albums together. And John and I have since uh, recorded four albums together. Uh, the songs on this latest 2019 release of mine are interesting because they were three late Peggy Lee compositions that she never had the time to record. So John has been holding them in his vault for a long time, 20 years. And um, so, well, over 20 years. So it's been a really... A special privilege for me to um, record these three songs. They are called uh, Most of All I Love You, um, I've Been Too Lonely for Too Long, and I've Got a Brand New Baby. And two out of those three were closely considered for uh, Grammy nods last year. So that was a big thrill. And, and this uh, is the first time they've been recorded, is that right? Yes. Yes, Peggy never had a chance to do it, so John hasn't done it with anybody until, until me. And John and I had been uh, performing the songs for the past 10 years in our Peggy Lee project, which has been on tour, so I was the natural person that he would turn to to say, let's record these songs now. So uh, it, was a, it was a great honor to do it. Um, I'd we'll get back to the album in just a quick second, but can you talk a little bit about that Peggy Lee project that's been on tour? Um, is that something that I realize that we're in the, uh, this is September 28th to 2020, so these are different times, but um, the, you just said you've been doing that for 10 years. Tell us about that stage show and what, what, you know, what that's like. So when, when you get back to performing that in public, people you know, will be excited to look it up. Yes. Well, it was called the Peggy Lee Project uh, up until recently, and, and now our reprise um, concert is got the same title as my book uh, Peggy Lee a century of song and so that that live show is going to be matching uh, the book but the original project really um, grew out of my first or it was it's my second album it's called Dear Peg Tishoni with the uh, John Cudini trio but it also has uh, Bill Watrous on trombone and Bob Leatherbarrel on vibes both of whom recorded music and performed music with Peggy Lee. And so 
the the album really was an outgrowth of my dissertation project so all of the songs are peggy lee originals from various times in her life early ones uh there's a song written by um um victor young on here victor young and peggy lee and her collaboration with uh, Emilio Palame and some other collaborations with John Chiodini and Duke Ellington and Harold Arlen. So there's, it's a real pastiche of Peggy Lee um, genre busting songs because it's just all over the map. There's a, there's a smooth jazz song on there. There's lots of swing material. There's bossa novas. There's even a song that I wrote the music to. I got permission to set to music uh, a poem that she had published privately in a book of poems. Um, I got permission by her family and her estate and the Peggy Lee Foundation and Peggy Lee Enterprises to uh, give it a go. And they said, well, okay, but with the caveat that uh, if we don't like it, if we don't think it's up to her standard, it's, it's out of here. Don't, don't take that anywhere. So again, sure. this goes back to you putting pressure on yourself. Yeah, well, that's kind of how I've always lived, you know? I give myself a challenge, and I found a poem I really liked, and I thought, I could probably, I think I could do it justice. So um, it, it's called Burn It Slow, and it's on the Dear Peg album, and it's had a lot of really good critical acclaim. So I, I, the family loved it, and they said, well, yes, by all means, take it on tour and put it in the Peggy Lee Project as the newest addition to the Peggy Lee songbook. Well, that's really fantastic. And then the best part is obviously other living songwriters. Um, can you just give us a brief overview of what else people might find on that album? Sure. Uh, there's one original by myself and my husband called Conundrum. It's kind of a comic bebop flavored song. And there's a song by Phil Klein and a song by Rick Montalbano and a song by Steve Brown. All these three Composers uh, hail from my hometown, Syracuse, New York, uh, Syracuse, Ithaca area. And so these would be uh, collaborators that I've known for a long time that had something to do with my development. And so I wanted to, to honor them and uh, record songs that uh, people that I know have written, people that I think are, are worthy of being heard. There's also a song by uh, Gwen Hughes and Mace Hibbard who are friends of mine from Atlanta, who have a beautiful ballad called Dust Off Your Dreams on that album. And so it's a celebration of living songwriters. All are alive except, alas, Peggy Lee, but her collaborative composer is still going strong, John Chiodini. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to tell us about the book or, or Peggy Lee and her life that um, would leave people excited to read it, excited to learn more about her and uh, all the amazing music that she made? Well, I think one of the most amazing things is that she was so very good at so many things. She was not just showing up and doing the job. She was excelling at so many things. She would put on the best show the audience had seen you know, if you'd ask them, they, they would come out and they would be saying, and I've spoken with people that have seen her live, um, they would just be raving about the things that she could do and the way she put her um, performances together. It was just so impressive. And the fact that she wrote film music and 
lots of different types of music and a Broadway show and did voiceover work and was a successful actress and a successful radio show host and loved poetry and read Tennyson on the radio because she was so in love with poetry. And it, it makes sense now, if you know that about her, uh, why she was so good at writing lyrics because she was just soaking her eyes and sensibilities in great poems from hundreds of years ago and contemporary poets too. So she just, she was a very interesting person, very artsy, loved the arts, loved to lift up fellow composers and fellow singers. And uh, that's really encapsulated in her song, I Love Being Here With You, where she does shout outs to her peers and uh, people in the performing arts and finishes it off by saying, but as much as I love all of that, there's no place I'd rather be than singing this song here for this audience. Well, I think that's the mark of a great artist is that uh, every performance is the most important one. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, our guest this week has been Tish Oni, singer, songwriter, author of the uh, new book, Peggy Lee, A Century of Song, which has just recently come out here uh, in August of 2020, celebrating the centennial of Peggy Lee's birth. Um, also, you're celebrating your new album, The Best Part. Um, which includes three never-before-heard Peggy Lee songs uh, with uh, her late-in-life collaborator. Um, thank you really so much for bringing Peggy Lee, you know, back to the forefront of people's minds. Um, I learned a lot about her that I didn't already know just from this interview. I, I can't wait to read the book. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate thank you, you taking so the much. time. Thank you so much. I appreciate your interest. The Coker Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at CogerCenterForTheArts.com, the official website for Coker Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit GarnetMedia.org.